Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland, and our guest today is one of my favorites, Kelly Wallace, whose new website, Expanded Roster, launches tomorrow. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, that would be Saturday, September 1st, and it's going to be a great website. But uh, today we talk mostly about Daniel Murphy, and I'm going to come right out and say it first if you don't know. Not a fan of Daniel Murphy. I don't like any of his off-the-field stuff, especially his comments about the gay community, which I'm going to get into with Kelly here. And, you know, I mean, he's a good hitter. He's obviously helping the team, but I'm just never going to be a fan of him. And we're going to get into why here. Uh, Kelly wrote a really good piece of The Athletic that you should um, look up after you listen to this because it's really good. Um... It's about her experiences going to a game, being a lesbian, and dealing with the whole Daniel Murphy situation. So we're going to get into that, and we do talk about a little bit of fun stuff at the end, but a lot of it's some heavy stuff, so here is Kelly. I normally start these with asking, uh, how do you think the Cubs are doing? But obviously, there's some other stuff going on involving the Cubs, it's a little bigger deal than just a on-the-field play. And um, you've written an article for The Athletic that's getting very well-received. It's a very good article. Thank you. You could uh, read it about um, just the whole thing with Daniel Murphy coming on the Cubs and, you know, you being lesbian and just like the, you know, conundrum that comes from uh, Daniel Murphy. So why don't we just get into the backstory and, like, maybe we'll just – I'm sure everyone knows now about Daniel Murphy, but you can give like what you said in the article, the backstory on Daniel Murphy's whole controversy. Yeah. Um, I mean, for anyone who, who isn't familiar, maybe wasn't uh, paying attention to Daniel Murphy, though I would imagine most Cubs fans have probably been aware of Daniel Murphy since 2015. Um, imagine not fondly. So for other reasons, Uh, But Daniel Murphy uh, in 2015 made some comments uh, when he was asked uh, about uh, Billy Bean had come to uh, do a talk basically in their in the Mets clubhouse uh, about inclusion and diversity uh, and all that kind of thing. Uh, and Daniel Murphy is, I I guess, a very religious person. uh, And they they asked him about it afterwards. uh, And he made some comments about uh, essentially saying that he considered uh, homosexuality to be a lifestyle and that he didn't agree with it personally uh, and just a lot of stuff along those lines um, and basically kind of said that uh, as much as he wanted to be friends with Billy Bean and, and didn't hold it against him, that I believe the direct quote is that he disagreed with the fact that Billy was a homosexual, which is sort of a ridiculous thing to say on its face, uh, just like that you disagree with a fact about someone's life. But then, you know, obviously the, the sort of homophobic context of it makes it even worse. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was the, the, the sort of controversy, I guess, uh, that um, that people are uh, talking about or uncomfortable 
comfortable with uh, as far as Daniel Murphy coming here to the Cubs. Yeah. And, um, you know, another thing to clear up for people that I think most people know this, but it's kind of like a silly side thing, but this is not the A's GM Billy Bean. Yeah, is, no, uh, it is not. Yeah. I, apparently people don't know that. Um, but yeah, no, it's not. A lot of people uh, have actually said that in my mentions recently about bringing up Billy Bean, like the A's Billy Bean. And I'm just, yeah, it's weird. It's not the same person. <laughs> yeah, uh, this Billy Bean is a former player who is gay and then he left baseball, but now he's, he came out as gay after he left baseball and now he's mm-hmm. like an ambassador for the league. Yeah, and um, he actually said one of the reasons he retired is because he felt like he couldn't, um, like, hide his sexuality anymore, uh, like, in the clubhouse and with his teammates. So that's incredibly unfortunate uh, that that was the reason or a reason for him retiring. So I assume that's part of why he wants to do the job he's doing so nobody else has to do that. Yes, and um, so, yes, and first of all, let me state something very obviously being gay not a lifestyle it's just what you are yeah it's not a lifestyle i mean it is a lifestyle in that it's part of your life and it affects it but um it's not any different than than being straight in terms of what it entails romantically or anything like that yeah it's kind of like somebody was saying i don't know if it was you but somebody was saying it's like saying you choose to have blue eyes no you just have blue eyes Right, exactly. It's basically, yeah, I, w- I would say it's just basically the same thing as any other trait that people are born with or have innately. Yeah, so now obviously about a week ago, maybe a little over a week ago now, the Cubs claimed Daniel Murphy off waivers mm-hmm. and uh, trade for him. Now, I mean, we will. I'll be honest, he is a good hitter. He terrible fielder. I mean, he... Totally I mean, the, the defense is, is garbage. I, you know, if we're, if we're just going to briefly talk about Daniel Murphy as a baseball player, uh, yeah, I'll give him credit. He's been a good hitter this year. Uh, very solid. Uh, but his, his defense is, is garbage. Um, I think if anyone follows me on Twitter, I posted like a three minute long montage of all of his defensive errors over the past, like two years. Um, and, and I mean, like they're, they're really bad. I mean, some of them were like in the world series, like they're not, they're not great. Um, so I, I would say that for everyone who's enjoying the effect that he's had on the team, uh, beware, uh, he might break your heart sooner rather than later, uh, in terms of pretty, pretty large defensive miscues that, uh, have screwed up pretty important games for teams he's been on. Yeah. Well, I remember like when he was on that crazy, hot streak against the Cubs. I was thinking he's not even making any errors. He's the worst. He's got to make an error at some point. Like yeah, the whole I mean, series, like, no, no errors. He's had, he had the one, um, that, that was fucked up. Um, sorry. Um, the, when he for, failed to turn that double play, uh, it was the Cole Hamels game when he messed up a double, missed a double play. Uh, and it cost, ended up costing Cole like 12 pitches, uh, which was super unfortunate because it would have been nice for him to get another inning. Uh, yes. Go to to go six instead of five. But what are you gonna do? I believe uh, my actual tweet was Daniel Murphy fucked up a double play. So yeah, it's it's okay. Which to be fair is exactly what you can expect from Daniel Murphy at second base. Uh, reasonably, his defensive range is about however far he can fall in either direction. Um, so I yeah, I would say that as much as um 
as much as a lot of people are going to give him credit for sort of uh, jumpstarting the offense, I, I would say that I think by the end of the season, there will be a lot of evidence to suggest that there were some pretty big downsides as well. I, I just hope that for the sake of the team, uh, they don't cost anything super high stakes or important. Yeah. So um, obviously when this trade happened, I was very upset and I don't have any skin in the game. And obviously you do, I mean, cause you are a member of the gay community. So just how did you feel? I know you were very upset at first, understandably when this uh, happened. I actually didn't think it was true at first. Um, cause it, it sort of came out on like a weird Twitter, like some random Twitter account that was not a, a writer or a source or anyone connected to baseball that I know of, uh, tweeted something about the Cubs claiming him off waivers. And I remember at first I was like, that's absurd because there's no way that the Brewers would let that happen. I, you know, like in my head, I was just like the Brewers would be the dumbest team in the entire world to let the Cubs just claim Daniel Murphy off waivers. Like that's not going to happen. But I, I did tweet about it and I was like, you know, as of now, this is obviously just a ridiculous rumor, but I really hope this doesn't happen, obviously, because I, I'm not a fan. Uh, so just on its on its face, I thought it was sort of a, a silly rumor to begin with. Uh, and then it, I think it was the next morning that it actually got confirmed and I was like kind of in shock at first to be honest because yeah it, it is super confusing to me that that every other team in the NL uh let him fall to the Cubs I'm not really sure why that is I don't know if it's a genuine concern maybe over his health or his defense or I, the I don't know they don't want to take on the money in his contract I don't know uh but yeah it was confusing to me that he even ended up here to be honest with you yeah I know and I guess I will pers- – I think most of my listeners probably know how waivers work, but I will – just a little backstory. The team with the best record in the league, the Cubs, would get last call on people that are on waivers. Mm-hmm. So both the Cardinals and the Brewers would have a chance to claim Daniel Murphy, even if they weren't going to like you know sign him, just to, to block him from getting to the Cubs. Yeah, exactly. And, and not even just the Brewers and the Cardinals. I mean, the Rockies. I mean, there are tons of teams that could have actually maybe used an infielder uh, with a nice bat uh, that I'm not sure. I, I don't know that the need was there as strongly for the Cubs. but Yeah, but obviously it happened. And, you know, he, uh, he, w- he went to the Cubs and it was, you know, I was pretty bummed out about it and everything. And now they had this thing that happened this past weekend with Daniel Murphy's agent. And I guess I'll have you talk a little bit about this, but (laughs) it was pretty weird. Yeah. uh, (laughs) This I actually can't believe happened because I have actually, I mean, not, not wholly in baseball, but I spent a lot of time uh, doing features and interviews. um, And I actually worked at a PR firm very briefly uh, during and like immediately after college. Um, So I'm pretty familiar with like how that world operates. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, have, I, I was very surprised uh, that initially I had emailed his agent just asking if, um, if Murphy had a statement on any of the comments and all that. Uh, it was right before his uh, introductory press conference. Because, um, you know, I was curious. I was like, maybe this is something I could write about. Maybe, you know, whatever. I was curious to know if he had a, anything to say about it. Uh, and at first he was like a little bit just evasive 
And then when I, I sort of sent him a longer response explaining why I, I was asking about it, um, because he seemed to, again, agree with some of the other sentiments that it wasn't uh, newsworthy or relevant or was was not worth talking about, I guess. He sent me a pretty long, uh, I think a little unhinged email uh, that uh, basically, I, I wish I, I had it pulled up so I could read it, but essentially um, it basically said, that uh, it was like a social media mob that was coming after him and that the media could never be fair to him and, you know, that people were misinterpreting what he was what he said and it's not fair for people to call him a homophobe and, and you know, all this stuff, um, which is, you know, obviously uh, a little bit crazy to say, but, I mean, even crazier to send to a reporter on the record um, I mean, I think that was like the part that was almost the craziest to me. I mean, it's a crazy email to write, but just also as someone who's been like worked in publicity, like one of the, the rules that everyone always told me is that you never go on the record with a reporter unless you're like really sure that it's something that you're comfortable with being published. Uh, so I, I'm pretty surprised that someone as successful and, and wealthy um, in this industry as Seth uh, would would do that. Um, but I was pretty shocked by it and I, I wasn't, I like, part of me was like, well, it's just par for the course, just let it go. But, you know, when I, when I actually decided to, um, send it to, uh, Whitney over, uh, at SB Nation who ended up publishing an article about it, um, it was when people started saying after his press conference, uh, he was asked about the um, the comments he had made, and his response was like garbage. Uh, I don't. I'm sure most of you have watched it. He basically he said, "Oh dear," and then mm-hmm. said, "Boy, I gee, I hope they Cubs. root for yeah. I yeah, hope they still root for the Cubs." Yeah, it's bad. It was a bad. It was bad, and a lot of people were like, oh, he wasn't prepared for the question or he didn't know people were going to ask about that. And that's kind of when I got mad because I was like, no, he was like his agent was aware people were going to ask about this. I told them this morning. Um, so, I, you know, that annoyed me that they were going to kind of play off such a horrible like way to respond to this by acting like he wasn't aware of the question because he was like he was. He had time to prepare a statement or a comment or you know, whatever he wanted to say in a more thoughtful way. So, you know, I, I was sort of annoyed that the, the some people in the press and a lot of fans were sort of taking that point of view on it, which is sort of why I decided to send it to Whitney and just publish it uh, and sort of let people know what was going on. Uh, just because I think people kind of, uh, people deserve who are rooting for the team or who have to root for him, I, I felt like it was more, it was the right thing to do to let people know what was kind of going on behind the scenes there. Cause I'm sure a lot of people uh, would have the same concerns about it that I did, to be honest. Yeah. And now I'll touch on this too, is um, obviously now Laura Ricketts, one of the Cubs owners who is also a lesbian put out this statement, you know, saying that she, that they discussed the trade before it happened and she felt okay with it. And, I don't. I just want to let you respond to that. Um, well, first of all, I would say Laura Ricketts' opinion is probably um, pretty heavily affected by the fact that financially she has a, a pretty huge stake um, in making the team successful on the field. Um, so I, I would say that she is not really an unbiased observer here, um, and that it, it's hard for me to take her opinion that seriously when you when you know that she's making a lot of money. Uh, off the fact that he's uh, been very good for the Cubs and, and that that's very good for her uh, and her business uh, life. 
So I think uh, I think people should definitely keep that in mind when they're looking at her comments or want to to think that she speaks for anybody other than herself. Um, but I, I also say that I would say probably 90 percent of the people that I've talked to uh, specifically within the LGBT community don't feel that she speaks for them or that her comments were representative of the, the general view of the trade and, and of, you know, of Daniel Murphy generally. Um, so, so I would say I'm, you know, I'm glad that she felt comforted, but I mean, we don't even know what was discussed or what was said to her, or, you know, if he apologized, if his views are still the same, like, we don't know any of that stuff because we're not privy to those conversations. So, I mean, absent all of that information, it's pretty hard to take it seriously or, or to really give a lot of weight um, to, to taking her statement as a reason to trust Daniel Murphy or to not be angry about the trade. Yeah. And so now we'll get to the article that you, um, wrote in the athletic, which is really good. Thank you. I really liked it. And as I said to people, I finally subscribed to the athletic. I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> because, I mean, cause I have to write articles and stuff. I should probably subscribe to the athletic, but I'm like, well, I got to read your article. So oh. I did. So yes. The Athletic is worth a subscription, in my opinion, not for this at all, but um, for a lot of the other great writers that they publish. Um, they, they actually have some of the better uh, Cubs beat writing going on over there. Uh, be, I would say that um, if you look at a lot of the other writing about the Cubs in the, the local Chicago media, uh, a lot of it is um, very surface um, and, and clickbaity and uh, maybe not super relevant to the actual goings on of the team uh, and is more sort of personal ranty kind of stuff. Um, yes. And I won't, I won't name I any names. endorse the athletics coverage of most things. Yes. I won't name any names, but somebody whose name rhymes with Gordon Bittmeyer. I, I'll name names. Uh, Paul <laughs> Sullivan, who has me blocked on Twitter and Gordon Wittenmeyer, who yelled at me on Twitter for trying to get him to ask about the homophobia thing and told me it wasn't newsworthy. Um, I guess that was an incorrect statement, Gordon. Um, <laughs> I would guess that other outlets did find it newsworthy. So I hope that you, if you are listening to this, reconsider your opinion uh, on that, because obviously I believe, and a lot of people believe that you were out of line and wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am also blocked by Paul Sullivan on Twitter. So, Oh, that's good. I see. And like, this is another thing. Like I disagree with a lot of people, but I don't really block people on Twitter unless they're like harassing me or like throwing slurs around and stuff. Um, I just think if you're a writer blocking people who disagree with you or mildly criticize you is not great practice, uh, especially when you have a platform like Paul Sullivan does. So just generally, if you're a writer, beat writer, whatever, I think that's kind of bad practice and you should lay off unless someone's being actually mean or abusive to you. Actually, ironically, it was um, the thing that got me blocked was when he was saying stuff about Lester that made him seem like he was more like a Murphy. And I said something. That's when he blocked me, too. Yes. That's when he blocked me was when I told him. So this is the problem I had with Gordon previously. Um, When Josh Hader's tweets came out, the super homophobic stuff that he said, uh, John Lester had made a statement on Twitter uh, where he he basically said that he you know he was concerned about it and that he was concerned about how social media was being used and and you know how athletes have been handling it and at first it sort of seemed like he was 
kind of more on the side of like people should delete stuff as opposed to like people shouldn't think that stuff. Um, so I, I wrote a thread to, to him uh, just kind of explaining my point of view. And he actually responded very kindly uh, and said he agreed, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, then Gordon, uh, no, sorry, then Paul went and wrote about it. Uh, and the headline was totally misleading um, and basically kind of implied that John was defending uh, Josh Hader and, and Sean Newcomb and, and, you know, the other guys who have been, you know, caught with those tweets, which is the exact opposite of what he was doing. Um, it was it, like the comments were very like, I'm disappointed in John. And I'm like, I was super annoyed because that's not what happened. Like people have no reason to be disappointed in John for believing that because he doesn't believe that. Uh, so yeah, I, I had retweeted it and just said that this is super misleading and is not what he said. Uh, and that, you know, that he should, if he wanted to, to quote anything, he should quote the full text. Um, yeah, that's what he blocked me for. So I think that's a really dumb reason to block someone. Uh, and it was really irresponsible coverage. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely have a big problem with that. Uh, I think people should, and you know, it's especially funny because, uh, you know, to, to sort of clickbait John Lester like that and then refuse to um, refuse to actually cover Daniel Murphy, honestly, I think is incredibly hypocritical. But yeah. So, well, anyway, we kind of sidetracked here, but let's get to your article in The yeah. Athletic, which was about the first Cubs game you went to since uh, the Murphy trade um, this Monday against the Mets. Yes. Um, yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, well, it sort of came about because uh, John Greenberg um, had written of The Athletic, for anyone who's not familiar. Uh, so he had written an article uh, that included a bit about Murphy's uh, comments and then the trade and all that. And um, it was it was actually very good. It was, you know, it was a very good uh, rundown of the situation. But I, I had tweeted at him and I was like, you know, I think this is like as good of a description as the situation as anyone's going to write. But at the same time, like everyone covering this for your website is like, a white straight man. And I don't know that that's the most valuable perspective on this. And I, I didn't mean it as an insult to him at all. Um, I just, you know, I just meant that I thought that they should have, you know, somebody else maybe a little more versed or more, you know, affected by what he said to talk about it. Um, not expect, not expecting it to be me at all for the record. Um, I've never written for the athletic and I have no you know, background there. Um, so yeah, so he sent me a message uh, and he, you know, he sort of thanked me for saying that. Um, and you know, he, so he agreed with me that there should have been, there should be more diversity generally, uh, in the sports media, but also at the athletic. Uh, and he sort of called my bluff because he was like, why don't, you know, do you want to write about it? And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was a little surprised, but, um, cause I've never, you know, I've never written for them before. It's obviously a pretty uh, big outlet, so it's a little intimidating. Um, but I said yes because it seemed sort of insane to say no uh, to an opportunity like that. So, yeah, so that's kind of how it came about. Um, and, and, you know, I, he had basically emailed me and said, you know, okay, like, do you want to write about this? Like, do you have an angle for it? And I, I said, you know, I'm going to the game on Monday uh, and I, I really haven't been since the Murphy trade, so I could write about it for you from that lens, sort of going through my experience at the game. Uh, and they said yes, and that is how you all got the article that you got. <laughs> yeah, so um, I thought instead of just talking about the art, why don't you just talk about your experience on Monday night? Yeah, um, sure. Well, uh, the game itself was great, <laughs> but... Uh, 
you know, my experience was sort of uh, interesting. I wasn't really sure what to expect. I wasn't really sure what to expect from the crowd's reaction to Murphy either, um, because I'm, I'm sure most people don't care about the homophobic stuff, but um, Cubs fans generally probably are not a huge fan of him uh, just because he's, he's been a Cubs killer. Uh, he's really, really murdered them in the past. And, uh, you know, I think uh, people generally were a little bit surprised to have him even just for that reason. Um, so, you know, I didn't really know how people were going to react or what people's feelings were going to be on him. But, yeah, we got there, and it was, you know, sort of fine at first or same as it, you know, always is. Um, it was weird when the, it was started being weird when they did the lineup, though, and they actually uh, – he was leading off that night, so he's the first name that anyone uh, called. And people, like, went nuts, and I was shocked because I was just like, well, first, he's new to the team, so, like – you know, people, I can't say, people can't necessarily be a huge fan of his as a Cub, really, at that point yet. It, you know, he'd been a Cub for, like, four days or something. Uh, but then, you know, you also have the fact that he's incredibly homophobic. You also have the fact that he he's not, you know, beloved by the fan base. So I think that was the point where I was like, all right, well, this is going to be uh, rough because he obviously already has the crowd on his side, save for me, probably. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a little bit rough. Uh, it was, you know, the game was sort of, it's just weird. Um, because generally when I, you know, when I go to games, I'm very sort of in the moment, not really paying attention to anything else, which actually annoys people who try to like talk to me and, <laughs> and go to games with me because I, you know, I'm very, into it. I, I get very annoyed when people stand up and interrupt me watching at bats. I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm just let me watch the game. That's all I want to do when I'm there. Uh, so it felt weird to me to sort of keep being pulled out of it by uh, Murphy and by, you know, people sort of reacting to him in such a positive way. And, you know, I, I sort of, I said this in the article, but I sort of just wanted him to strike out all night so that I wouldn't really have to deal with him. Uh, deal with like the idea of like, is it good that he's hitting or, you know, is it bad that he's hitting? Uh, and then of course, you know, he went on to lead off with like this cr- like huge double and like he, you know, he was, he was good that night, um, at the plate, uh, which I was very loath to admit. Um, I, you know, I was sort of, I mean, what a bizarro world when, uh, Javi Baez gets caught in a rundown and Daniel Murphy successfully steals a base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just such a strange game, uh, in terms of the way it played out. I mean, John Lester, you know, knocking into run, I mean, just a, a weird game in general, uh, how the Cubs sort of managed to pull that one off. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it was, it was strange. It was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, I think for me. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I sort of left feeling, I mean, I guess it's sort of good in, in the fact that I didn't feel like I, I didn't like get to the point where I didn't feel like I could go to games at all anymore, uh, which is good because that's what I was kind of hoping. Um, but I will say that, you know, generally I definitely in the future, um, will go to, more games or focus on going to games uh, since I live very close after the lineup comes out and maybe prioritize going to games that he is not playing in. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things too that like when I was reading the article, I got the, cause it felt a lot like how I feel where it's like, you go, Oh Murphy. But then other stuff starts yeah. happening in the game and you get like, it's like that, you know, cause you're still a Cubs fan and it's like right. that, that, you know, muscle that memory that muscle memory kicks in and you're watching the games and you kind of put like that 
once Murphy's gone or not up or whatever, you kind of put it out of your head again and you're like, yeah, oh, you I mean, and it was a, you know, it was an exciting game. You know, I think, uh, you know, like Rizzo crushed that homer and it was a great, and you know, the guy, the Cubs were hitting really well, uh, against a really good pitcher. Uh, so that's always exciting. So it was a lot of, you know, it was a very exciting game. It was a very happy game for the most part in terms of, uh, what was happening on the field and the way that, that you would react to it. I mean, people obviously went completely nuts when John knocked in those two runs, uh, as they should have, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, I think that like that, that stuff, it makes it easier to sort of pull you back in. Uh, but you know, it's, I just like whenever he comes up at the plate or whatever, you're just sort of like, Oh great. Here we go again. And you know, again, I'm not trying to be unfair to Daniel Murphy. It's just my personal experience. I don't, you know, hate Daniel Murphy or whatever. I just, yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not out here trying to like go after Daniel Murphy. I know some people think I'm like attacking him or whatever. I'm not, but I uh, just sharing my experience. So um, if you disagree or don't have the same experience, that's fine. Um, but you know, that was mine. So. Yeah. And you know, with me too, it's kind of, um, um, what do, how do I want to say it? It's like, um, with like, I had the same feeling with Chapman. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was, it's definitely very, very similar to that situation. It's almost, it, it's unfortunate actually. Um, they, they, I don't mean to draw a comparison in terms of severity or in terms of the, the what the incidents were that, that made people uncomfortable. Um, uh, obviously they're both incredibly bad and I understand, uh, everyone's feelings about, about all of them. I will say, I think it was a little easier to ignore Chapman in some ways during the regular season, just, uh, because as a closer, He's not there every day. Uh, you don't really see him except for one inning at the end of the game for the most part. Uh, and, uh, you know, I personally would kind of just turn it off at that point and not watch. Um, it's a lot harder to, to not watch games for when the leadoff hitter is the one you have a problem with, you know, but just because of the presence on the field is so much larger. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of with Chapman. Yeah. It's like the ninth inning. Well, you know he's coming in then, so you can kind of avoid it. But, yeah, it's – you never know when Murphy, especially like in the field, when is the ball going to get hit to him? You don't know. Right. And, you know, I mean, he has – as a leadoff hitter, he's been the leadoff hitter, you know, uh, every day, I think, since that he's played, since he's become a Cub. Um, so, you know, I mean, that obviously means he has the most at-bats uh, in the game. Um, and, you know, playing uh, playing second, obviously, there's – a lot of traffic there defensively for the most part. So he, he does end up being, you know, a pretty big part of every game that he plays in at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I've always, always had this perspective that I've had, like, you know, it's almost like the risk of being a sports fan. Like some people are like, well, maybe I won't cheer for the Cubs. And it's just like, yeah, but if you go to another team, they're going to eventually get somebody that's, you know, creepy too. It's like, you can't avoid it because they're like, you'd like to think the teams have, you know, like, you know, moral, you know, like I, we won't get this kind of guy, but you know, in the end, if there's somebody that can help him win, it doesn't seem to matter for any team. No. Um, you know, a lot of, and that's why I sort of feel weird about being like, Oh, I hope so-and-so is traded because like that makes it not my problem so much, but um, it makes it like a lot of other people's problems. So that's not really solving the issue at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you know, as you saw with the the Astros picking up Asuna, despite uh, obviously the domestic violence case that's currently pending against him, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that 
um, that people mostly don't care. Uh, and I would say also that I think the Blue Jays, um, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they, um, they said at some point or someone reported that they had intended to move Asuna as soon as they found out about the domestic violence case that they didn't want him on the team anymore. Um, and I, like I, that great for them. I mean, I guess, but you know, I think then, then the, the correct response would have been to, to DFA him, uh, release him or, or somehow punish him, uh, through their organization, as opposed to sort of just pawning him off on the Astros. Yeah. But, um, I guess it's just like, and I remember the first time the Cubs got a player like this, who I did not like. And, I was very was like um, I can't remember the exact year. I want to say two thousand nine, mm-hmm. but uh, Milton Bradley. Yeah, I think who, everyone has uh, pretty strong feelings on that. And like the red flags for him too, and like back that was really Twitter was barely a, was a baby back then. So I was not on Twitter at that. No, point. neither was um, I. I did not join Twitter until twenty fifteen. So any any drama that occurred there prior to that, I missed. Yeah, neither did I. I was until like two thousand twelve or whatever. So I it. But they're back if that Milton, Milton Bradley are around now with all the like many things he was accused of, I wonder what the reaction would have been if he was added to a team. I think it would be very different. Um, yeah, but I think social media has changed the way we handle things like that in a pretty big way. I know some people think it's for the worse. Uh, I personally don't. Um, I think obviously there can be problems with um, sort of mob mobbing people or harassing people or, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that every single person who makes a mistake needs to be like canceled forever and exiled into the void. Uh, but I do think generally it helps to hold people more accountable and um, that the net effect is more positive than negative. And it allows a lot of people who maybe don't really have a voice in things and certainly didn't before maybe have more of a say or at least make their opinion known to the people who are in charge. Uh, so that that's nice. I think that's a good thing about social media and the way that uh, we now react to, you know, players like this or, or scandals um, like that uh, in general. Okay. Well, now I, this is, we've been talking about a lot of heavy stuff in this episode. So I thought we'd end on some fun stuff. Yeah, um, that would be nice. <laughs> I really liked all these like, with this players weekend last weekend, I really liked all the, the bats and shoes and everything that I thought that was pretty fun. It was awesome. It's great. I love players weekend. I think players weekend should be every day. Uh, maybe not the nicknames every day. I guess that would be a little silly uh, to not use regular uniforms, but, um, just in terms of the like self-expression, I think would be great if MLB would sort of relax their, rules on on things like that specifically with uniforms and accessories and such um like bat wraps like you know sleeve uh you know compression sleeves shoes stuff like that i think would be a lot more fun to watch for fans uh, as players were allowed to sort of express themselves a little bit more all the time as opposed to just one weekend yeah because i actually that was i actually wrote an article that has not quite come out yet but will be where i'm basically making the big case for let the guys wear the shoes and bats and stuff that they want. Mm-hmm. And, and they of should. course, yeah. And of course is my, 
Example 1A, of course, I had to use Wilson Contreras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think for Cubs fans, that's probably the big one. That and Ben Zobrist with his um, PF Flyers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I would say Wilson is probably the most uh, publicized one uh, in terms of what Cubs fans would probably be aware of. Uh, I will say um, same situation pretty much with the compression sleeve uh, happened with uh, Colton Wong on the Cardinals uh, who had a, a sleeve for Hawaii after the uh, eruption, uh, the volcano, uh, to raise awareness for that, uh, that he was also asked, like Wilson, to, to stop wearing or else they would find him. Uh, so that's bad. I think that's incredibly bad policy uh, and bad form for Major League Baseball. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a good thing, actually. And, you know, it seems that most players agree, honestly. Um, you know, I talked to Sean Doolittle for Expanded Roster, and, and he basically said the same thing, uh, that, you know, it's good for the game and that it's good for guys, it's good for fans, you know, it's good for it's good for everybody. You know, I think it really helps um, people connect more and learn more about the players they like. And, you know, it's great for the players to be able to represent where, who they are and where they're from. You know, I know Wilson has said that it's very important to him to, to be a role model and to represent for Venezuela and for where he is from in his community. Um, so I think that's something that should be encouraged. I mean, you know, that's, that's sort of his motivation when he plays baseball. And I think it, it would be great for him to be able to share that with people without MLB trying to find him some obscene amount of money for it. Yeah. And that's just, that was my thing. Is like, they're so concerned about, you know, pace of play. And mm-hmm. all this stuff that we can't, we got to get the young fans and stuff. Forget pace of play. Let if we let these guys like do all these crazy bats and shoes and stuff. That would be way more interesting to young fans than than how long the game is. Yeah, for sure. And I think that especially the you know younger people and people you know in our our generation you know are very self expressive. I think we grew up you know in a culture and you know in a time that that very much encourages. Uh, self-expression and and inclusion and representing yourself and things like that. So, you know, I think specifically when you're looking to expand your demographic amongst younger people, uh, it would be great. You know, I think it would be good. Um, And I think a good way to get people more invested in the sport is is to get people invested in the players and in the personalities that they love. Um, And I think that by suppressing that you're really doing a disservice to the sport in like 20 million different ways. Yes, exactly. So I'll, I'll go out one more, um, just a little update on your website that you're still, uh, I don't know if it's launched yet, but it should launch soon. It is uh, launching on Saturday, which is terrifying. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that's, that's coming up really soon. Uh, that's kind of my, what I've been crazy about this week. So uh, for anyone who sent me a lovely message or notification that I haven't responded to yet, uh, that's why <laughs> I haven't really been reading anything. Uh, I also muted a lot of stuff for the record. I'm sure there were, you know, a lot of negative comments uh, about the article or about whatever. Uh, so for the record, for any haters that are listening, uh, just know that I muted pretty much everything <laughs> that doesn't come from my followers or that isn't positive. Uh, so I'm not seeing any of that. So as far as I know, everybody loved the piece and everything's good. <laughs> yes. Well, that, I, I liked it. So, <laughs> well, but yeah, so ex- expanded roster launches on Saturday. So everyone keep your eyes out for that then. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm super excited. Um, I hope that everyone likes it. I'm sure, you know, uh, as always, not everything will be for everyone, but I think we have a lot of really cool 
uh, useful content uh, and that um, I think that everyone will find something to like, I hope. Yeah, well, I think that's a good thing to end it on. And uh, just thank you for coming on here. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm totally happy to be here. I love uh, love talking to you, and I love getting to you know talk to Cubs fans uh, and uh, chat with them more. Even though Cubs Twitter can be stressful at times, yes. <laughs> but I think for the most part, we have good folks there. Uh, and I personally am very excited to work more with everyone, and for everyone to talk more about um, not just the article, but maybe just talk more about these kind of issues generally in sports and at least think about it a little more, even if you don't necessarily agree with me or my take on it. Yeah. And I will, I will always try to make sure that people know that's like on my Twitter feed, I always make sure to let people know about this stuff too. Cause I think it's important to mm-hmm. let you know when players might be jerks. So yeah. And people should be aware of that. And, you know, you can make your own choice about who to be a fan of uh, and who not to be a fan of. And uh, you know, if it matters to you, uh, you know, good. If it doesn't matter to you, okay. I, uh, you know, I think it should, but I can't make you. Um, but I think people should be able to make informed decisions uh, about who to root for and, and what exactly they're rooting for. Exactly. And if someone, you know, doesn't agree like a player and want to cheer for them, let them be them. Don't force them to cheer for somebody or not. Just, you know, can, that's my plea that I always make, but like, but we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, but, yeah, you know, anyone who read it, uh, thank you for reading it and at least considering it from my point of view. Yep, thank you. You can follow Kelly at Kelly A. Wallace on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at STH85. If you have any questions for the podcast, our email address is holycowpod at gmail. Holycowpod at gmail if you have any comments or questions. And until we have another show, thank you for listening.